We would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone. Welcome to an exciting episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where we are going to review probably one of, well, I'm just going to put it out there. One, one of the most spectacular uh, series that we have seen so far this year. There's there's my claws because there may be but more coming soon. Oh heck but, yes! But we will be venturing to a galaxy far far away to talk about Book of Boba. And with that said, you know uh, Alton unfortunately is not with us this evening, and we have uh, Matthew returning once again. For those of you that have listened to the amazing Will of Time episodes. Matthew is here giving us his expertise in the land of Robert Jordan's creation. Hello, hello, everybody. So. Hello, hello. Uh, and just for the record, really quick, we were super duper close to having Alton return to the show. Yes. He, we were going to record an episode last night. We got together, found that there were some administrative things we had to handle first and and we ended up like talking and planning and coming up with some really exciting ideas for this year. Uh, unfortunately, that meant that we didn't record an episode and we were supposed to get back together tonight. And then unfortunately, he wasn't able to join us. So that's OK. But we want you to know Alton is coming back. Alton yes. is returning to the show. He's he's taken a short leave of absence and that's OK. Yeah, yeah he, no, he... I believe he's prepping for the gladiatorial trials. He and I are supposed to meet to uh, uh, combat to the death to determine who gets to continue on at Dungeon Crawlers. We have discussed the idea that we should hold a rad dome between you and Alton <laughs> to see who becomes the third host. And just remember, the D is for danger. The D is always <laughs> for danger. I, I yeah. like those rad dome episodes. They're really cool. And man, yeah. you guys pull up some deep cuts. Yeah, we uh, we we talked about having some more. So, um, you know, we're also going to change up our format a little bit. Uh, we, we've talked about... Uh, we won't do it in this episode, um, but be aware that the next episode or the one following will probably have the new format where uh, the main topic we're going to keep to around forty minutes, and then we're going to have we're going to throw in some geek news and other things in there because uh, there is so much newsworthy stuff in the yes. land of geeks that is so we we don't ever take time to talk about it, and it's such good stuff. Yeah, so uh, be aware that that stuff will be coming at you weekly. Uh, besides our main topic, so. The main topic at hand this evening is the Book of Boba. The series is over. There are a lot of people that are very divided on this series. It is If you go out to the internet, it just seems like nothing anymore is safe. Right? You know, if you do a search, you're going to get people that hate something. You're going to get people that love it. You're going to get the people in the middle that are like, eh, whatever. Uh, it just doesn't seem like society... As a whole, on internet and on social media, are all behind everything. And I get it. You know, people like some things, people don't like other things. And that's okay. You know, we kind of hinted uh, with uh, Will of Time where um, Matthew kind of liked, you know, the, the, the last three movies. They were pretty decent. And um, as movies, they are entertaining. But, uh, are you uh, talking about Wheel of Time or Star Wars? Star Wars. Star Wars. Wars. Okay, last, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Seven, I'm eight. A little nine. confused there. <laughs> no, I, I got a little confused. Yeah. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, no problem. Thanks for asking the question. But um, you know, the, as movies, they are entertaining. But as a continuation of the Skywalker saga, I felt like they were missing some beats. So, moving towards, you know, we've seen the Mandalorian both seasons. Now we have Book of Boba. I, and to be fair. I feel like, you know, taking on this series was a really large task by Dave Filoni and John Favreau and, and the directors. Mm -hmm. And that's because Boba Fett is one of those characters that George Lucas wanted dead and the fans brought him back, just like Darth Maul. Um, however, I feel like we got a really awesome Darth Maul storyline. With Boba Fett, they've kind of taken a little bit of a different turn. We're not, you know, and I think this is where the fan division's coming out because, you know, all the old EU stuff, Boba Fett's pretty is still a pretty badass bounty hunter that doesn't take anyone's crap and and stuff like that. 
and he starts kind of br- he, he kind of brings the Mandalorians together, bands them together. If I remember, I could be wrong here, but I believe in one of the books he takes on the title of Mandalore, um, which you know that's the overall ruler of Mandalorians of M- Mandalore, the you know the society. Yeah. Um, however, we're not seeing that in this book of Boba. We've we're seeing something vastly different, and there are some conflicts within the show. So let, let's start off there. Um, with the question of did you like the series or didn't you and why awesome uh i i am look i know i'm kind of an easy to please guy i also know that i'm a star wars fan i also know that i used to be a film student and i'm an amateur filmmaker yada yada yada. i know all those things all of that now we do too and now you guys do too i know that i just barely humble flexed but also (laughs) Also, uh, the truth is I loved this show. Now we, I think we should maybe talk about, you know, episodically our impression and and our experience, but um, as an overall result, I thought that this series was pretty excellent. Was it as great as Mandalorian season two? No. I don't think it was as great, but was it great? Yes. And and I don't think just because it's not the same as Mandalorian means automatically that it gets panned. And I'm really curious what people online think about it, why they think so negatively about it. And there were certain things in certain episodes where I was like, okay, this, this shows a lack of budget or a lack of commitment or, or, you know, they, they obviously had to cut some corners here, et cetera, et cetera. All of that said, I thought it was an exceptional show that breathed new life into a into an originally dead, then resurrected, then elderly character, right? Like they I think they breathed new relevance into this character. Yeah, I really I, I did like this. I like this series. Um I was there was a lot of information in there that was new to me. I haven't read a lot of the expanded universe. Uh, in fact, the extent of my Boba Fett knowledge from the EU was uh, that he escaped the Sarlacc pit and he's out there someplace. Uh, and so that was one thing I really did like seeing in the series is that, okay, it's kind of staying true to that narrative. It makes the most sense. It was what the fans wanted and it does show how awesome uh, Boba Fett is and why Mandalorian armor is so important. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and, and then the story, the story that they went through this season, you know, I, they, they paid homage to the Mandalorian. They acknowledge this is a spinoff of that series. So they had him in there. It kind of continues a little bit of that story arc touches on some characters um, that we'd only, you know, some minor characters that we've seen before and a lot of the alien races we'd seen on Tatooine and in Jabba's palace and that kind of stuff. It really fit the setting. And I could see this really kind of the way they did this, creating their own space within the existing mythology. Unlike other series where we talked about that they, you know, offend the original intent, they defy mm-hmm. the mythos. I don't think they did that here. And that was one thing I really respected about this. I mean, I, I really like the fact that they didn't, you know, use Moss Eisley. They used another one of the, the larger towns um, on Tatooine so that we could get, so it wouldn't conflict with those things. Uh, we're still on Tatooine. We're still creating a new storyline. Uh, yes, there are some mu- few minor things that I don't know if all of us could agree upon. Um, but at the same time, um, they're, they're building something. They're building something a little bit different than we've seen in the comics and in the, the extended universe novels. Does it conflict? I don't think so. I don't think it conflicts. I, I think it just gives us a different story than what we've heard before. Um, I mean, there's especially one scene where we still see that Boba Fett is still that ruthless person. I mean, we'll get to that scene uh, a little bit later in our discussion, but you do see that that ruthlessness in him. And at the same time, you know, in, in those extended universe books, he starts building, you know, this kind of like 
group of individuals that work with him because he's getting older and he realizes that. And I kind of think that they're doing that same thing, but going about it in just a little bit different way. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because no, it's when, not. when you look at the story that they told, I realized that, you know, a lot. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Before we go any further, uh, we should have mentioned this episode will contain spoilers for the series Boba what? Fett. Spoilers, no, no, no. spoiler. If, spoilers. Uh, I mean, how, it, what ended two weeks ago? They should have already seen it by now. Yeah, yeah. If if you're We're if you're continuing, nothing. if you continue to listen to this episode, I ain't got tears for you. Okay. Yes. So that per, go go see the show, then come back and and, and let us talk your ear yes. off. But all that said, um, uh, there there were some people who were being critical of the show. They called it uh, Boba Fett in Dances with Tuscans, you know. Um, <laughs> and and we can't help but sort of pick up on the parallels between the Tuscan Raiders and, uh, you know, this country's own Native American history, things of that nature. Um, but there is a, but what I like about that is that you take a fictional world, a fictional people, a fictional universe, and you create emotional parallels that allow us to connect with those fictional people in those fictional places, right? In these fictional situations, we have very, non-fictional reactions we have very real responses emotionally to those characters we bond to them and we care about them um so i i'm not mad that they went that route i often wonder if if the people who are making these dances with tuscans jokes i wonder if these are the same people who still love james cameron's avatar which is which is just you know smurfs and pocahontas but um but but i'm i'm on the opposite side of that spectrum where it's like they I really don't like the Avatar movie storyline because I feel like it's hyper stolen. It's hyper um, plagiarized and contrived. It's der derivative. It, it so, is derivative. I mean, the, the, the MacGuffin is called unobtainium way to go writers. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I actually really appreciated how it breathed life into the Tuscan Raiders made them more than just quote unquote, dirty sand people. Right. Yeah. Um, it made them a real people, a real culture. And I loved that. And it also breathed new dimension into Boba Fett. Well, I mean, and just kind of just avatar and then we'll jump over to Matthew so he can say his thing and then I'll jump in. But um, the funny thing about avatar is it seemed like in the last 15 minutes, James Cameron finally realized, wait a minute, this was a war movie. Uh, I think I need to do something here. Because um, it just suddenly goes... Um, yeah, the pacing is bad. Uh, Unotanium was a horrible name. Oh, come on. You can come up with something better than that. But it's given us jokes for like 20 years now. I know, so that's but great. apparently they're obtaining it. So it, it's... Right? Somewhat, well, somewhat obtainium. Yeah, yeah I mean... Call it you know, CRX 4.9. PHX 1138. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I, I like this, you, you mentioned the, the story in the Tuscans. And I don't want to offend the EU people. Uh, and as I said, I'm not an expert on that at all. But from what I gather, the Boba Fett of the EU did some cool things, but oh, was yeah. pretty much the same character. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, they, 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 they liked his bounty hunter persona and they dialed it up to 11. now what we saw in the boba fett series was what happens to a real person who has multiple uh, facets facets to their personality who's just been through a literal death defying experience and he wakes up having lost an item that is critical or, or strongly tied to his identity he no longer has his armor who is he without his armor and now he's captured he's made a prisoner the tables have turned the bounty hunter who takes prisoners is now the prisoner and he has to kind of learn and he doesn't win every battle anymore so it really takes this person who and you did mention he is an older man now um and age tends to temper a lot of passions and so what i saw in this story was to me easier for me to accept because he changed, because he reacted in a way that made sense in his scenario. And I was anxious for him to get his armor back because he really wasn't a complete, to me, he wasn't a, a complete person. That was somebody who he had become. 
you know, following in the footsteps of his father. This was important to him. Um, and so becoming a Tuscan warrior, if you want, if, if you will, uh, and earning their respect kind of was him rebuilding himself back up after hitting rock bottom after the Sarlacc. So that whole story arc is what I found compelling about the, 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 the series. No, I, I agree. I like the story arc because, you know, he was one of the greatest bounty hunters of the galaxy and he got beat by a blind guy. I mean, let's face it. That's what happened. Um, <laughs> coincidentally. Know, yeah. <laughs> coincidentally. And then it ended up in, in the Sarlacc and, you know, the toxins, that the Sarlacc punch pumps into his body. Who knows what horrors and torture he went through mentally, you know, um, so when he finally does it escape, you know, we see that he's scarred and, and burned from the, the stomach acid and stuff like that. And the Tuscans take him in. He saves, you know, the, the youngling and uh, th they accept him and start, you know, helping him, you know, and it's no different than kind of what I mean. It, Dances with Wolves, I mean, Dances with Tuscan is actually, honestly, a really good comparison. It's yeah. very similar. Um, but what I like is he failed. You know, he tried to build them up, you know, and, and, and the Pikes destroyed him, uh, you know, destroyed the Tuscans. And he took that, he, that, that meant something to him. He felt something. And then he went and then took over Jabba's palace and started building an empire. You know, and it was different. It wasn't an empire of I'm the crime lord, I'm gonna beat you down. It was exactly what the Tuscans had built, you know, taught him. So I, I did like that comparison. And you know, um, a lot of people when when Boba Fett appeared in Mandalorian, um, there were some people who were critical of the fact that he had a gaffy stick that was also Maori and Maori in design, and he was using this physical melee weapon to crack plastoid armor and to take down stormtroopers and such and what i what i uh, what always tickles me is when internet pundits get in there and they're like oh there's a plot hole now there's a plot hole you can't have this la, 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 la. and then i'm like it's not a plot hole you just have to wait long enough for the story to be told you just have to wait give it time for the yeah. story to actually happen and then you'll see it's not a plot hole uh and it's not a plot hole you're a plot hole no anyway so um but and, and the shut same your plot here. hole shut your plot hole um and what happens when when they show like the forging the forging of his gaffy stick how it's made from like this iron root wood stuff and um i, I thought it was brilliant it, it all came together it was his style it was his infusion mm -hmm. uh, his take on a gaffy stick and he learned uh to master that that martial art from the weapon master of the tribe and like it all came together there there weren't any loose ends there weren't any plot holes you just people just had to wait and people are bad at waiting. But man, John Favreau and Dave Filoni and the entire crew behind the Star Wars series, plural, on Disney Plus have shown us that they know how to do this justice. They know how to tell the story. We just need to trust them and give them time. Well, you're, you're I, right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And, and after all the things that John Favreau has done from you know the MCU as well as in the Star Wars universe, I think he's earned some trust. And, and your point is well taken. If something doesn't make sense to you, uh, especially if there's been a suitable time gap, realize there's a story you haven't heard yet. And it's time to not get critical, but to get excited of, oh, I can't wait to hear how he got that stick, you know? Because if John Favreau and Dave Filoni are uh, involved in this, you know it's going to be a good story. Absolutely. Well, Absolutely. and you know, and as as a writer myself, sometimes you don't realize, you know, you you write something, you put it out there, and your subconscious knows it, but you don't know it yet. Uh, you know, example: When I wrote my first book, I had this scene, uh, you know, and I talked about how a dragon had attacked New York, and, I, and that was kind of it. That was in the beginning, and didn't deal with any of it, you know. And I know there's one review like, yeah, there's this giant plot hole, you know, the dragon attacked New York, and doesn't really talk about it. Well. Because, you know, after the book was already out and I was driving to Comic-Con, it hit me. That's why 
I didn't say anything about it because there's a second dragon. <laughs> and, that, and it they, they, Spoilers. they disguised it. Um, so sometimes you don't realize it in the moment when you're writing out these stories, but your brain does or the storyteller in you does. And then it's like, okay, now it's time. You know, and that's what it was. It wasn't time to tell that story in The Mandalorian when he showed up, but it became time, you know, during this and and both of them are are side by side we we saw they're not they're creating a universe they really are you know it's not just the boba fett show it's not just mandalorian you know we're getting we're getting an ahsoka series here shortly and we saw ahsoka show up we also saw luke again luke skywalker showing up with grogu and how cool was that i mean come on we have r2 talking to all these droids that are building a temple and you have Ahsoka there and, you know, and then you see a scene with her and Luke, which we've never seen before. And she's like, you remind me of your father. Oh my gosh. That was so amazing. That, that moment, because here is someone that has been with Anakin and with Luke. So that, that was really cool. And I, and I like how they're building things together. And this is how star Wars has always been. It interweaves with all these characters and they're doing a fantastic job with it. Uh, so you you touched on something that I really wanted to go into on this one. One of my favorite things about this series uh, about Boba Fett is the characters introduced and uh, intertwined, right? Uh, first, first episode, first episode, they introduced a menagerie of characters Oh, yeah. And I can think of at least four, make it five, make it six, seven that I thought were really memorable. Even if I don't know their names, I remember the character, right? Gosh, the were... mayor. I mean, come on. How, how, how can you Mok not? Shai is, yeah. yeah. Hey, what was the name of his protocol droid? Um, oh, I have to look it up, but I know who played him. Yes, yeah. that's what I was going to yeah. say. From, from I, the I, IT I, crowd. Yes, yeah. it's Matt Berry. Yeah, Matt I, Berry. I, I heard that voice and I'm like, what's Renum doing here? <laughs> yeah, the, the biggest chauvinistic pig in the universe. Yeah. Well, and the funny thing is, is that droid is also, is also in Return of the Jedi. Oh my he's gosh. The guy, he's the droid that's torturing yeah. the donk yeah. 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 When, when you have like the, when you have the sniveling, we actually saw Boba Fett destroy in the kitchen, the copper headed droid yeah. that, uh, that was, that was giving the orders like you're a feisty one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Talking to R2, right? But in the background is, and his name is 88. In the background is 88, uh, you know, searing the yeah. feet of the gonk droid. I remembered that. Yeah. And so to see him be this protocol droid and stuff, and to hear that voice, I was like, oh, this is so cool. And uh, interesting, another IT crowd uh, tidbit. Um, uh, Richard Ayoade. Yeah. Uh-huh. Voice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he he voiced another droid, I believe. Yep. Uh, on Mandalorian, it was the yep, yes. bug-eyed droid, yep. the one that almost killed the child. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. so I, I just thought that was. I'm a big fan of the IT crowd, so I. I no, it's a that. great series. Yeah, uh, I was freaking out about that too. Well, so I, the great thing about this, and and I have to say, the Tuscan Raider, uh, uh, oh, what what would we call uh, Blade Master? Uh, yeah. The tu- uh, wep- weapon master uh, weapon build master. yeah we call it weapon master but build yeah. only as tuscan warrior yeah man that was the coolest thing to see especially when you know and, and for those of you that don't know uh the individual underneath all those wrappings was a, uh, a woman joanna uh, bennett man yeah and she and was phenomenal amazing and without saying a lot i mean she conveyed a lot in that scene with with the train I yes, mean, she did. She just kind of looked up, looked around, ducked in, and you just see people flying out. And oh my gosh, such a great scene that that train thing. And not only that, that's the first time I've ever seen a droid bail out. I mean, yes, most droids just go for it and they don't break protocol. But this droid bailed out of a train that was about to explode, <laughs> which was amazing. Uh, yeah. So I mean, there's there's so much to work through here in in just the first episode. Yes. Uh, 
I my I'll save my favorite for the last, but in just the first episode, we had 88 voiced by Renum from IT Crowd. We had 88, and that was a wonderful throwback. Uh, we got to meet not only what well, was the mayor in the first episode? I know his lackey was in the episode. No, I, th- I think he was in later episodes, but it was still cool to see an Athorian actually talking. Yes, yes. through a translator. Yeah, that was they, they couldn't have done that with a new hope. This oh, was no. Some, this is some of the new technology we have now that allows that. And man, doesn't it, pardon the pun, flesh out the mm-hmm. alien creatures, give them oh, yeah. more? Yes. Because there's, there's all kinds of creative aliens. And when Lucas did this in the 70s, people were their idea of aliens was was very, very basic. He was like, there's got to be a great variety of life in the universe. And so there were all kinds of of people in there and they're going to have different biologies and different ways of communicating and stuff. It was it was so, yeah, I loved seeing that again, adding in a positive way to the existing mythos. Well, yeah. And, you know, and. I mean, I was among them, uh, and I know several of my friends were, that we all had the hammerhead figure, and yep. like, oh, this is so cool, but, you know, we never heard it one. It wasn't in, I mean, we actually first saw in the, the first Clone Wars cartoon that was pushed out um, on Cartoon Network, and you saw the Jedi one, and, you know, and he, he flexed his voice muscles, and it blew all the droids away, and um, and then, you know, in the actual Clone Wars series, we saw them start to talk. So it's been really cool to see how these aliens have evolved and, and added to it. And not only that, the different Twelics that we've been able to see, that they're not yes. all just slutty dancers in Jabba's palace. Um, <laughs> you know, Hera Syndulla is an amazing pilot, piloting the ghost. Um, and, and so many other things, you know, even... I mean, even the the not the the Gamorians that were in this one weren't like giant bulbous slobs. I mean, these guys look ripped. Uh, that's because they were both played by uh, MMA fighters. Nice, which I didn't know until just now, to be honest with you. But but even then, it shows that you know not all uh, gun or Gamorians are uh, you know heavy set. And, that's right. Uh, and and cannon fodder rain, rain, rancor food they're not all gluttonous <laughs> pigs but a <laughs> dumb tisk yeah um so yeah. Uh, go ahead yeah the uh the gamorians in the in return of the jedi they were they were cannon fodder you know and in this one we learned that pigs can fly oh um, yeah oh <laughs> dang girl uh, but not very well <laughs> no not very well you know i was gonna Falling i was gonna style. throw back to uh when Josh used to run, excuse me, when Krebs used uh-huh. to run uh, Star Wars RPG. Mm-hmm. And when we would roll up characters, I never wanted to play the human, you know? As, and, and hey, I'm a big fan of humans. My best friends are humans. However, when I'm in this game, uh, I really liked investigating these other alien races. They're different capabilities and they're different challenges. One character that I played was was blind, kind of reminded me of a Mirdral from Wheel of Time, which is why <laughs> I had to try it out. But he had uh, foresight. And then Josh made me disarm a, a, a trap that was color-coded. <laughs> and it was not clear from the description if foresight lets you see colors. Yes, it does. <laughs> So we, uh, we played this as I, uh, it was, it was difficult for me to tell the differences between colors. I could tell that there was something on there. Uh, uh, but yeah. Uh, so I thought that was very tricky of him. Good GM move. Uh, but anyway, I love doing the, the star Wars game when we were doing that. Yeah. I, the, the characters here, what, what makes them, like you said earlier, it really fleshed out the aliens. What I love about this this show and everything that Favreau and Filoni have done is, uh, on Disney Plus anyway, is that they will do everything with practical effects as far as they can go. And then when the practical effects cannot go that far or it's not as believable, then they augment with CG. Uh, they, much like Lucas did in, in the late 70s when he was making Star Wars, uh, they have found ways to use technology in an innovative manner where uh, the Mandalorian and Boba Fett are no longer the only shows using full digital cycloramas and unreal engine rendering. It's not the only show doing that now. And, uh, but they were the first to do it and to do it well. Uh, mm-hmm. And 
and they just they tell such a rich story going back to the characters that were introduced that i just loved um uh let's uh, first of all as as a child who grew up in the 80s big top hat tip to our girl jennifer beals oh yeah <laughs> i don't know i don't know how it's possible i think she might be Aes Sedai, but she is ageless oh my gosh <laughs> she looks just as amazing now as she did then she and seriously i'm gonna admit it since seeing her in there i i had to add a uh, flash dance back to my uh my my <laughs> in, in my i don't blame I'm, you yeah. I don't blame you. She was, um, she was stunning and she was not hyper objectified. She was beautiful. Oh, no. She was, but she was powerful too. Right. Well, see, that's, that's the thing I really liked is even though she was a bullock, she wasn't dressed like a slutty dancer in Jabba's palace. No, that was her yes, server. She, yes. She was running a bar that had other services. It was a full like service institution. Yeah. Yes. But she was still dressed very classy. She and it was done well. Um, and, and just because I did make an error, force visions, you can see color, but force sight, no, you can't. It's ah, ah, translucent, ah. and you can only see organisms. You cannot see non-living things. Uh, even he, if the organism is dead, you can still see it. In my game, it was more like force sonar. But anyway, <laughs> that's, not, that's not the point. That's not the point. But... Um, um, no, I, th I think they did a really good job. They they created some characters that um, that had depth to them. I mean, even Jessica, uh, oh man, Jennifer I'm, Beals, Jennifer, Jennifer, Beals. not Jessica, Jennifer Beals. Jessica character. Beal is a different person. From I Jennifer know. Beals, that's why I'm like, wait a minute. That's that's a totally <laughs> in the immortal character. words of Akbar, it's a trap. Yes, um, um, but it was a great character. And we got to see other characters really built. I'm Fen uh, Fennec Shan. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Uh, an amazing character. And, you know, when she first showed up in Mandalorian, I'm like, ah, really? I got to see Mulan again. And not only that, <laughs> not only that, uh, or, or not even Mulan, uh, the, uh, the Calvary from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because, I mean, it's yep. pretty much the same character. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you remember, did, did you get to see her panel when she came to Fanex? No, I missed it, unfortunately. She mentioned in there that she had this role on Mandalorian, but she really couldn't say a whole lot about it. But she kept wanting to, and oh, then yeah. stopping herself partway through. And it was basically, uh, she did say that this was someone that kicks butt, uh, a lot like uh, Agent May. Um, but it, there were so many more cool things and were a lot more places they intended to go with it. And she says, I, I'm so excited. I can't wait for you guys to see this character. Yeah. And she wouldn't even give us the name. Yeah. You know, it was, it, but so I, I, now after seeing this, I could see why she was so Well, excited. it's probably because she was heavily contracted and embargoed that if she said anything. Yeah. Well, because Disney, Disney holds on to all the money. Tatooine and back. Yeah. 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 Um, um, it, so, so you break here, a Disney contract, man. It makes the Godfather ooh. look like a uh, romper room. Right. Yes, yes, they are the Iron Fist, right? Okay, uh, the Iron Four Fingered White Puffy Glove. Anyway, um, so okay, so in the interest of time, instead of me like hogging all the character introductions that I loved, let me let me spread this out just a little bit. Sure, because there is a character that I super. I, there were several. There were a few characters that I just like. Oh my gosh please don't kill this person because I need them back. Right. Um, but did who uh, give me, give me one, one of your all time favorite characters introduced this series. Hmm. Uh, Black Chrysanthemum. That's it right there. Yeah. Black Chrysanthemum. Black yeah. Chrysanthemum. I, I would agree. Oh my gosh. That uh, first reveal, that mm -hmm. first reveal where he walks out from behind the twins right and then he's like towering he's intimidating and imposing and he's got like this massive weapon that he never gets to use uh he has this he uses it he uses it I one time later in the series i didn't think he used it in the fight no, he's, he's blasting away uh pikes at the end oh you're probably right it may have yeah. been that rifle i thought he had something else but you're probably right but he yeah. comes out and he's just this enormous eclipsing creature and i i remember thinking uh, we're going to have to fight him later and it's going to be horrible. <laughs> it's going to be terrible. It's going to be bad. Um, and then I wondered if he would be like the villain, like, like the secret tough villain of the show and are they going to kill him and all this stuff. Um, and we did get to see him 
fight when he ambushed Boba Fett in the back to tank. And that, that fight sequence, that particular one was just brutal. I just, Oh my gosh. I loved it so much for me. I I knew he was going to end up with Boba Fett. And the only reason for that, you see them in the comics, they, they fight side by side. There's a couple of comics where they're together. Um, and so I love the fact they pulled that character out of the MCU. Or uh, not the MCU. The MCU. <laughs> uh, man. Wrong universe. I know. The extended universe. The EU. Oh, my gosh. This is what happens. Uh, my my brain. Anyways. Um, I love that they did that. And they've been slowly doing that. That's the one thing that John Favreau and Dave Filoni have been doing. And not only that, my second on this list would be Cad Bane. <gasps> yes oh my gosh and their rendition oh, yeah. of cad bane was so it, it was the excellent. same voice it was the this same was, voice this was the first was time amazing. i'd seen well i guess it's the first time anybody's seen cad bane in no. live oh action. yes yeah live, in a action. live action yes and and i i cause I've seen him in some of the cartoons before the, or excuse yeah. me, the animated series uh yeah. and i and he was he was so cool right yeah. I mean, in a bad way uh, and then when I saw him come in and he tilted his head up and you could see the face and it was blue. I didn't and... even need that. I Man, the second you see <laughs> the marshal walk out and it looks out in the desert and I saw the flap of the trench coat. I'm like, oh, no way. It's Cad Bane. My kids are like, who? I'm like, Cad Bane. You now, know, I have like... to say, I was ready to be really critical because yeah. if they failed on the special effects for that character... I was going to be upset. So I was looking for any flaw because mm-hmm. that that's not a real creature. That's right. And, and so it was, and I thought they did a great blend of practical and digital effects. I'm assuming yes. some of that was practical and it was augmented. And I thought, Oh man, that's the way to go. Yes. And like there, usually when you have CG augmentation or, you know, anytime you have CG stepping into alter anatomy and things like that, or even, or, or even when you have practical effects, there's a certain level of uncanny valley that occurs because um, now that you have prosthetics in the way, um, you, your mouth doesn't move quite right. Um, the person speaking, it, it, they give off the subtle impression that they're not used to their teeth feeling that way. Yeah. Um, you know, all of that, right? But whoever was behind the mask on Cad Bane uh, enunciated and, and like I, the best expression I have for it is they puppeted, they puppeted their mouth so perfectly. And I, I don't know what all the behind the scenes tricks are yet. I wonder if they did get in there with some CG, but there's part of me that thinks they stayed as close to practical as possible because it's so organic and it's so believable more so than, than most CG can, can usually deliver. All right, so that's Cad Bane, and I'm absolutely a million percent with you. I'm kind of sad that they did him in because I would love Cad Bane to be a returning villain. Um, I, I was sure that he was going to escape to come back another day because you don't want to waste you don't want to waste the character like oh, him. he was beautiful so, and brilliant. So this is what's really cool. Um, I had to look it up, but the same actor that voiced Cad Bane in Clone Wars. And in the Bad Batch, also played Cad Bane in Book of like, Boba. Was in the costume? Yes. Oh, that's oh, hot. Nice. That's more than likely probably they were probably modeling his mouth and everything when he was actually doing the voice. So that's probably why he was able to pull that off. That is hot, and that's the right way to do it when you can make that happen. Yeah, it was Corey Burton. Um, so that is amazing, to be honest. That is, dude, big high five to Favro and Filoni for pulling that off because that's yeah. just insanely amazing. Can I throw a shout out to Timothy Oliphant? As yes, well? you can because oh he was God. coming up. <laughs> you uh, know, I, I I just like seeing him uh, every now and then. And while his character may not have been my my favorite, uh, Cobb Vanth, right? Cobb Vanth. Yeah. Uh, he he was still a pretty good character. I liked seeing him just because uh, he's got an interesting sense of honor, you know. And the way he came back in and stopped the spice trade from going through his town, I thought that was that was good. 
that was respectable. Somebody has to survive to carry the tail back, right? right. So I thought that was that was really good. But anyway, because Timothy Oliphant has uh, a Modesto connection. Yes, he does. He's uh, a graduate of uh, Bayer High School, which was a uh, rival to the high school that uh, uh, Krebs 2.0 there and I went to. For those <laughs> who do not know, the Krebs brothers do come from Modesto, California. <laughs> so well, yeah, that was why I liked seeing him. You know, uh, where I became a big fan of him is uh, when he played Raylan Gibbons in Justified. Justified. And is this not just the same character in space? And I'm not even mad about it. Like, a I love bit. it. It's a, I think it's a little bit toned down. He's a little bit, it, this is like, well, his draw is turned down, but yeah, his this is character. Like, yeah, it's like Raylan Gibbons is an old man, um, which I'm actually excited because they are doing another justified series with him they are yes oh i'm in i'm in um i loved justified this is the thing i i I love that they're bringing in some solid characters they're bringing in some solid talent to play these uh these characters um you know again we got to see luke we got to see some more grogu we got to see the mandalorian the armor more explanation on the dark saber um, we got to see John Favreau show up again and get his butt kicked. Um, I missed that. What, where did he show up? Uh, it's when uh, it's in that first episode with the Mandalorian where he he's the, he's the, the heavy Mando, the, the heavy Mando that fights him for the this dark saber. Although let me let me let me verify this really quick because I wasn't sure I because I, I remember him playing it in the original Mandalorian, but I thought maybe they got a different actor for this rendition. They? I'm going to verify that, but keep going, keep okay. going. No, it's I a mean, bit of trivia I completely missed out on. Oh but my gosh. I, no, I, I liked it. They get they kind of went into some lore of, of the Darksaber. Um, and so that was cool to see. And, you know, yes, it, I was a little sad that they uh, melted down the or smelted down the uh, the Beskar spear, but then we got a little chainmail shirt for, for Grogu. Little Frodo shirt. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, all of that pales in comparison to the final episode. I mean, it built, it really did build up to a really amazing ending. And I know a lot of people are going to probably say, what the heck are you talking about? The first couple of episodes were this weird flashback sequence, but we needed that to get up to where we were in those, those final episodes where we understand why Boba Fett is fighting so hard to protect the people in this town and it's his town and he's the the, the demo daimo yes daimyo. yeah uh um, clarification john favreau is the voice of paz vishla but okay. paz vishla is played by a physical actor okay by a different physical actor gotcha that makes more sense because i i don't think happy can make those moves um <laughs> not anymore his fighting days are yeah. a tad behind him. yeah um but it really kind of solidified a difference in Boba because he's not really a Mandalorian. And, and he does say that, you know, he, he's not a Mandalorian. He lives by a different code because he wasn't born on Mandalore and he's not a foundling and so on and so forth. He's forging his own path. Um, so we needed that. We needed that background story. And then we get the mods that show up. Uh, I'm not super excited about their little Vespa hovercraft speeder bike things because i mean come on those speeder bikes that uh how many rear view mirrors do you need bro yeah uh but again you know they're just punks that are cruising around town they don't need to be able it to was it was very much a in its own right stylistically a nod to the 80s cyberpunk movement right yeah, like yeah, it, it reminded me of rifts hey did you know that i used to play a game called rifts from palladium i think we've talked yeah. about it before but anyway so uh, yeah we haven't yeah. just just listen to one of our episodes in 2010 when Krebs shows up for the first time. Oh, I'm sure that's not even real. Anyway, so yeah, like there was very much like a cyberpunk feel to it. Um, I like that it wasn't just a bunch of sexy technology. It wasn't very Blade Runner. It wasn't, you know, 2049. It wasn't, um, it wasn't like, it, it was, it was technology that poor kids in the ghetto would get their hands on, right? Well, yeah, scraps and, of droid. But at the same time, that's that that's in the extended universe. That's part of the Star Wars universe. It, you know, when you have droids running around, it's not really. I mean, we see it with Anakin. I mean, for crying out loud, I mean, he's got a droid arm. Uh, Luke has a droid hand. So why not just hey, we're just gonna 
put on a couple of droid parts, you know, protocol droid arm or whatever. So let me ask you guys this, because I, I think some of the controversy came up with, uh, we, we obviously, all three of us really enjoyed the series. I think that's yes. pretty easy to nail down, but you know, episodes five and six very much become about something other than actually, I think it's episodes four, five, and six, right. Uh, become about things other than Boba Fett and Fennec Shand. Uh, we get, you know, uh, the Mandalorian re uh, returns, you know, you've got um, Din Djarin is his name. You've got Grogu. You have a deep faked, a return to the deep fake Luke, uh, Ahsoka. You have, um, you, you have, you have like all these Richard Simmons. You have, <laughs> <laughs> she's wonderful. And I love her. Uh, she's a national well, treasure. Richard, when you say that, you mean Richard Simmons or the mechanic? Oh, dang. <laughs> Burn. Um, so let me ask you guys this. When, when the was are fuzzy. <laughs> the the series uh was only seven episodes long and three of those episodes were taken up primarily by other characters other than boba so where do you stand on that how did you feel about about those episodes specifically so i mean i get where some people are frustrated um you know you got the one camp that's like wow this is a story about boba we have seven episodes and um three of them are not really about him. i get that um then you, on the other hand you got the other camp it's like yeah the best episodes of the book of boba didn't even star boba um the problem is and i think this is where people aren't realizing it is boba fett showed up in mandalorian this is clearly showing that their fates are aligned it's no different than some of the other force stories we've heard with other jedis and other people in in the past their, their fates are intertwined somehow and that's why we see the mandalorian show up we need him at the in that final episode and there's no way for him to sh just show up without knowing this story and we still need kind of a conclusion with grogu because he left and you know the mandalorian still has feelings and he's got the dark saber so we need to understand that and what's going on there because i'm pretty sure that's those components we saw here are going to continue on in either Book of Boba 2 or the next season of Mandalorian. So, and, and I'm pretty sure Boba Fett may be involved there. Um, you know, at the same time, we needed seeds planted for more things with Ahsoka. It may be that Luke shows up more in Ahsoka, the Ahsoka series, than we realize. So, I, again, like I said earlier, they're really building their version of the MCU right now with, with these TV series. Uh, like we've seen with WandaVision and Winter Soldier and the Falcon and Loki and, and so forth. Um, I think they're doing that right now. And that's why we're seeing these other characters coming in and out. Do I wish we would have gotten more episodes? If it wasn't for the pandemic, we probably would have. And I think they did rush the Book of Boba a little too fast. Um, I would have liked to see at least two or three more episodes. But at the same time, yeah, due to the pandemic and budget constraints, we probably couldn't have gone that way because let's face it, that last that last episode is probably really pricey. <laughs> that last episode, <laughs> but it was awesome. They, they was definitely awesome. were saving up a lot, yes. not just money, but also like um, not just budget, but like actual fan service uh, delivery. Everything they were oh. building up to was excellent. And and not only not, not only that one thing before I let it go over to Matt. How cool was it to see Danny Trejo show up in Star Wars? Oh my God! Machete, the Rancor trainer. Yes, <laughs> he's a good animal. Very sweet once you get to know them. You know, just like they bond with the first person they see. <laughs> I, I can't wait to like th th that's like almost the equivalent of Danny Trejo giving you like gardening tips. The strawberries are especially good in March. You know, just like <laughs> like and he shows up and he's all, "Here's a giant puppy. It'll eat your neighbors. You should ride this thing." Yeah, I just love I love everything about it. But the this is the cool thing is here's a guy that is always known as like the rough and tough dude that will just rip your arms off and beat you to a bloody pulp, you know. And he showed up in almost everything. Like, if JJ, I'm just gonna throw this out here now. If JJ Abrams can somehow, or Paramount can somehow insert him into, into Star, Star Trek Four. He, he's like 
He's been in everything. At He's this already point. half Klingon. That shouldn't be hard. I know. <laughs> I'm going to double check right now. I need to know if Danny Trejo is already in Star Trek because I have a feeling he's made an appearance. Uh, maybe. It could be. And it would. Yeah. I mean, come on. They made Christopher Lloyd a Klingon. They could totally make Danny Trejo. <laughs> Should a not Klingon. be hard. But to bring it back to Star Wars. <laughs> yes, bring uh, back to Star Wars for a second. <laughs> you know, uh, it was an interesting story choice doing this other thing there. I Luckily, the story was good. If it had been a bad story, yeah, it probably would have been a, a mistake. And there were probably multiple options they could have gone with. But they chose this one. It didn't annoy me or anything. But I'll tell you what this has done. is It's established a precedent that if you enjoy one of Disney Plus's Star Wars series you have to now actually watch all of them because some of your favorite characters may progress in their story in some other series you would otherwise have thought of skipping. So I think this has a great deal to do with lessons they learned with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, how you always have these care, uh, heroes dropping by in other people's stories and the end credit scenes and all that stuff. They're saying, hey, this I hate to be capitalistic about it, but this is a good money-making model uh and so you know it's it's a lesson that they've learned they're applying it here this is very very savvy and again if the story sucked this would make me mad but the stories are so good i'm like yeah i'm not even angry bro well this this is exactly what you saw in the extended universe books i mean uh before it got sold off to disney there is the the storyline um where one one of the solo twins, Jason, became a Sith, and mm-hmm. uh, you know the daughter of Jaina. Jaina was was a Jedi as well, but she was being trained by Boba Fett um, to assassinate her brother. I mean, so throughout those books, you constantly see characters coming in and out. So I think they're just mimicking the model that George Lucas already built in the extended universe stuff. And I don't know if if you guys feel the same way although I think you probably do, but like the endorphin rush as a fan, when you see a recognizable character, either someone that may not be as famous, such as Cad Bane, who's not as famous as Luke Skywalker, arguably, right? Even when you have characters that you recognize that maybe are less are less famous or less popular, when they start showing up in your shows, in shows that aren't about them, there is this wonderful burst of joy, like almost, almost uh, probably, probably bigger than Steve Rogers' going i got that reference right like <laughs> i you recognize it and it's and it's a nod to the fans it's taking something the fans recognize and maybe love and using it well oh my gosh i cannot help but go back to the last episode of mando season two when the x-wing shows up in their time of need oh my gosh and like there were so many reaction videos that I started watching and people are straight crying, which was, I was, I was on the verge of tears when I saw it for myself, but then I watched other people having that same reaction. It was like emotionally validating. And then I started crying with them, like watching them watch the show. Uh, it's a real thing. Fan love is a real thing. And that's why they refer to it as fan service. They're doing yeah. this as a service when they do stuff like that. Do you, well, see, do, you, do you remember back in the 60s when the Beatles first came to America, the footage has all of these screaming girls weeping at the fence as the Beatles are deplaning, right? And I always look back at that like, get a grip. However, when the X-Wing showed up, I was crying and screaming at the TV. So. I was a girl from the <laughs> 60s. I was a girl from the 60s when I saw that green light saber when it was not in the security footage so that you know just like oh my gosh it was so so amazing um so okay so in the interest of time we gotta we gotta wrap this up okay, um, let me let me just jump in real quick yes you please do um you know the thing that i really love that they've done so well is okay so return of the jedi is the last time we see luke skywalker and we all have this ideal vision of him and this hero that he is and he's you know he redeemed his father and ended the emperor and blew up the second death star blah all these things happen you know with lando's help and everything uh and leia and hans and then the next time we see luke is he said this curmudgeon old hermit on a, on another planet we see the luke we fell in love with yes in these episodes yes. when he shows up to get grogu that's why we wept. That's why we were excited. That's why we were giddy. That's why we we're excited when we saw him again training Grogu on this planet. That's why we were excited to see R2 
telling all these droids to build this temple. And then he shuts down and won't talk to the Mandalorian anymore because that's R2. He's, he's like, he, he, he's a droid that has all rights to do whatever the crap R2 wants and he gets away with it. And we love that, which is why I hate BB-8, but that's okay. That's another. <laughs> but we you know- see Luke and we realize that even when Luke gives Grogu this really impossible decision, we still realize Luke is still flawed. He's still making mistakes. You because know, in my opinion, that's kind of a crappy decision. To and give. It's, arti- it's an artificial choice. It is. It's like, why you got to pick just one? Yeah. What's the matter it, with having both? Yeah. But at the same time, it's not, oh, well, yeah, we can see why he's a hermit. No, he's he has no one. He's doing it all on his own. He doesn't have anyone to model after. He doesn't have the counsel. Um, he's, he wasn't fully trained. And so I love the fact that we still have the Luke that we know and love instead of this curmudgeoned hermit. You know, I wonder if this is setting up another story thread because the Mandalorian, uh, Din Djarin, makes a comment when he's told the Jedi don't believe in making attachments. Yeah. And this goes back to the whole Anakin Skywalker Council of the Jedi. Yep. That whole, how, did the Jedi Order become corrupted themselves? There's a whole nother discussion there. But in this time, he, he's told that the Jedi don't believe in attachments and the Mandalorian is their religion, their philosophy is that it's all about the connection. There's nothing more important than for lack of a better term, the family you create. And so Luke giving that choice is kind of like there's the Jedi way and the Mandalorian way. And he is making the statement that the two are incompatible. And so I wonder if this is going to show up in future Mandalorian or book of Boba Fett episodes or Ahsoka. You know, I, I think this might be laying the foundation. I would love it if this sets the, the, the creates that story thread to be investigated. Later. Yeah. And I, I think you're, you've hit something there and it would be really great because in, in, in the past, you know, that was not frowned upon attachments were not frowned upon. I mean, come on, right. Evan right. uh, ends up marrying Bastila, the person that kind of defeats him when he's a, a Sith Lord and then brain wipes him um, and they have kids. Um, you know, it, that was very common. Um, it wasn't until later that they kind of grew apart from that attachment thing. Um, you know, in Spartan, uh, is it Spartans or the Greeks? I can't remember. One of those cultures, you know, it was, you know, it was, it wasn't frowned upon to develop love and adoration for your fellow brother in arms um, because you fought harder to protect them. You fought harder and which i think really models after the mandalorian culture um do i think that because grogu grogu picked the the uh beskar armor i don't think luke is like you're out yeah he may have been surprised by it but i don't think he's given up on him it was a choice to see what he was going to choose and we may see the consequences or see where it goes from there where mm-hmm. luke learns hey because i'm mean, let's face it He's, he has an attachment to his sister. I mean, we know that. He was training her, at least in one of the movies. And his, and his niece and, and nephews, plural, right? Like, yeah. like he, he carried on the tradition. So, yeah. And Luke himself left in the middle of his training and then came back. Yeah. So yeah. Maybe you know, he's hoping and, and, Grogu will do the same. And in the extended universe, we, you know, we saw that he ended up marrying Mara Jade. They have a son. I mean, oh, well, can they please, I talk can they about... please bring that into this? I uh, know. I was good. I didn't want to go over time, but you know, they're really missing an opportunity. If the fans can bring back Boba Fett, there's so much fan love for Mara Jane. Oh my gosh. It's not yes. guys, guys. It's not a plot hole. We just got to wait. Yes. <laughs> just gotta wait. Full well, circle. I mean, it really is, you know, they're again, they're bringing stuff in. We're slowly seeing it, um, you know, and maybe we will see, um, you know, that there are rumors that they're rewriting that, you know, those those movies, the seven, eight, nine, um, they're writing them out um, that that's an alternate universe, which is plausible through Star Wars Rebels. You know, that was the storyline via um, Ahsoka died, um, you know, but in the last season of Rebels uh, through a Jedi temple, Ezra pulls Ahsoka out of the timeline and brings her to the present. And now she's roaming around and. Yeah, 
Uh, who knows? Who knows what they're going to do? I do know there is some love and hate relationship with those those final three movies. Um, it would be interesting to see what they do. So, um, but I think we're out of time, aren't we? I think we we're very yeah, close. We, let, let's put a cherry on top. Let's put a cherry on top. Okay. Okay. Uh, score of zero to five, and you can use halves, but not quarters. What, how would you score the first season of Boba Fett? Hmm. That's a thinker, right? Yeah. Matthew. Um, I would give it a solid four. It was really good. There is some room for improvement. I mean, I'm almost a four and a half, but I want to give them four. So they've got room to really impress me. I can, I can understand that. Daniel. Four is the number that's been rattling in my head. It's not perfect. Uh, it's not a five. Um, and it's not close to being a five. So we're not even going four and a half. It's definitely a four. Um, there's enough there that made it a great show. There's enough there that intrigued me and made me want to watch the next episode. There was enough there that I wanted to talk about it in between every week. Now, there are some things that are missing. There are some things I feel like they missed out on. There's some things that um, they didn't fully go, you know, dive into. You know, the twins, like, they just up and leave. I mean, but that could be next season. Um, I really wish they would have dived more into the pikes and the spice trade. Um, again, I think that had a lot to do with the shortened season and uh, the pandemic. Yeah. Can they improve upon it? I think so. Um, and you could really feel the rush storyline in this, but it wasn't as bad as some of the storylines we've seen, like in seven, eight, and nine. Um, it still felt like it was cohesive. It still felt like there was a story arc that they were trying to accomplish. And so because of that, I will give it a four. You know, I, I, I had the exact same score in my head for, much the same reasons, um, but absolutely solid for, I wouldn't dip down. Even mm. if we could use quarters, even if we could use tenths, I wouldn't say it was less than a four. For me, there was, there was tons of payoff. There mm. was tons of, as I said earlier, relevancy, not just dimension, but relevancy breathed back into an otherwise stale, though still beloved character, introducing characters or reintroducing characters from both the eu and clone wars uh bringing back luke skywalker for a full episode where the deep fake was significantly better than the last time oh yes. boy uh, not perfect but better and yes i am on i am absolutely on that train that says that uh I, you know, his name was in my head the whole time until just this moment, but like Bucky from Winter Soldier. Sebastian Stan. Sebastian, Sebastian Stan, thank you. His head, his name was in my head for the last 40 minutes and I didn't say it and then I, then I lost it. I am on the train of Sebastian Stan playing Luke Skywalker in the future, but I love that Mark Hamill was able to be involved and to do that. Um, so I give it a solid four. Definitely room for improvement. I don't think it was a bad show. I don't think it was worth the 70% on Rotten Tomatoes or the 60% of audience reviews. I, I think it's higher than that. I think it's better than that. So, uh, and I think next season they will have a better budget. They are on the, uh, th we've gotten through the worst of the pandemic, uh, fingers crossed, right? Um, or rather Hollywood has learned how to function despite the pandemic, right? They've gone through a growing phase. Um, so I highly suspect that the next season of Boba Fett will in, in all likelihood be better than the first. Uh, it, it wasn't, it wasn't Mandalorian season two for me, but you know what? Mandalorian season one wasn't Mandalorian season two. So there's definitely room for improvement, but I loved it. I loved it despite its flaws. And you can't go wrong when you're riding a raincor in the middle that, of a battle <laughs> that Danny Trejo brought to your house. Yes. Um, you know, again, a final battle was amazing. The fact that you see Mando and Boba Fett fighting side by side and still kicking some major butt, even though they're getting knocked down. That's the one, the other thing I really enjoy 
um, that they've brought into this is, you know, here are two heroes and you still, they're getting their butts kicked. I mean, you can even from, a, you know, the early episode where he's walking out with his helmet full of coins and he gets, he gets pretty beat up. I mean, we know he's weak, but I like that. I like the fact in Star Wars that the heroes don't always get through, that they get beat up, they get bruises, they get their hands lopped off or an arm lopped off or legs even. Um, there are real stakes to the peril that they're in. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I, I appreciate that. And even more so, I like the fact that the Rancor goes nuts and just starts King Konging uh, the town. Take that, Moss Espa. Yeah, definitely. So, is it a perfect sh- TV show? No. Is it a good one? Yes. Is it, can it get better And g- from here? Yes. Uh, is it what everyone is saying? Well, not everyone. What a good portion of people are saying is it's horrible and they should never have made it? I don't think so. I think it's an entertaining. I think it's good Star Wars. I mean, it delivers in so many, so many different places. So, well, folks, it's almost, well, it is that time. It's that time to go. Let us know what you think of the book of Boba. Did you like it? Did you hate it? Did you just never see it? Did you listen to all this and still not go see the show? And now we've ruined it for you. If so, well, I'm sorry, but that's your fault. Cause Krebs warned you. Uh, he totally told you, Hey, you, you should pay attention but uh there is great things to come may 25th of this year on disney plus the the new kenobi uh series releases uh we still have the andor series that's coming we still have the ahsoka series that's coming um another season of mando uh it's right now it is an amazing time to be a star wars fan there's lots of content coming out and I remember the day when it was like, you know, you, you didn't have much. You know, you had the, you had the first three movies and the Ewok move, the Ewok made for TV movies. <laughs> That's all you had. So it's amazing what we have now. You can you can take off to Disneyland or Disney World and go to Batu and see. You can fly the Falcon. You can go on the ride of the Resistance. You can build your own saber or droid. It's really cool to be a Star Wars fan right now. So yeah, it is. Um, which is amazing. So we'll see what else comes out and tell us what your thoughts about uh, the series are. We want to hear from you. And not only that, uh, let us know who your favorite Star Wars character is. I mean, everyone knows mine. It's really easy. Um, <laughs> I, I, I went by his name for a long time. <laughs> you sure did. Yes. So. With that said, we're out of here. And dungeon crawlers, tell your story, whatever may come. And you know, whether you enjoyed Boba Fett, it was only okay, or you're totally wrong and you thought it sucked, always remember to be epic and don't suck. Remember, the Force will be with you always.